Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, I mean, I think ultimately you got to be a leader of men. Uh, you got to be a leader of men. You got to have the ability to communicate with a lot of different type of people because football players come from everywhere now. I talk about it all the time. I remember when I first got in this league, it, was, it felt as if it was very few guys in the league from where I was from. Right? It just felt that way when I was in the league, uh, 03, 04, when I first got in the league. Now, it feels though I, I, I know these kids. <laughs> it feels like I grew up with a lot of them. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's more diverse, especially in the locker rooms. Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. I will say that for now. Until the sweepstakes present a different story, a different narrative, but Right now, he's still in Tampa Bay. Casey Kurtz pushing all the right buttons. Brent Martineau right now on assignment, literally in the hallway, doing a, a live shoot real quick. Action Sports, Jackson, ESPN 690. I'm Austin Lane. And now we are joined someone to really talk some Byron Leftwich with me. Um, she's not related to me, but she always has, she has an invite to the Lane Family Reunion in Chicago whenever she wants it. ESPN, uh, Jenna Lane, how are we doing today? Oh, my gosh, you beat me to it. I was actually <laughs> going to say no relation because anytime I talk to another Lane, I mean, I'm even talking when Javorski Lane was a member of the Buccaneers, I would always have to tell people, no relation. <laughs> and unfortunately, you do spell your name a little different. I think you have an I in that last name. I'm just L-A-N-E, but we are Lanes nonetheless. And like I said, Jenna, anytime you want to come eat some barbecue, maybe do like a three-legged race or whatever you want like that, come to Chicago, and we'll take great care of you at the Lane Family Reunion. I would love that. I love Chicago. I'm so down for that. <laughs> <laughs> no said, no said. So obviously, you know, you, you, you cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers extensively here. And I mean, before we get into Byron left, what's just, what's the vibe right now in Tampa Bay? Obviously a heartbreaking loss is Tom Brady coming back, the Antonio Brown saga. What is the vibe right now in Tampa? I'm not going to lie. Bucks fans are kind of going through existential crisis right now because they just don't know what's going to happen because obviously Tom Brady, he is under contract for next year, but the talk about retirement is very real. And he said, there's no, there's no timetable on it. And, and Bruce Arian said, look, there's, there's not really a timetable on, on when we're going to have these discussions. He's going to take all the time he needs. Same thing with Rob Gronkowski. He said he's going to need about three to five weeks to kind of figure things out for himself. But, you know, we actually told TMZ this morning that, if he were forced to decide today, he would lean towards no. So um, because everything's just happened so fast, I think for Bucks fans, um, some of them, you know, they don't know Tom as well as maybe the folks uh, in New England did. Um, for them, it, it happened very abruptly. Uh, the retirement talk started picking up steam at the very end of the season, really in the last week or two. So it kind of caught them off guard. Um, a lot of them thought that maybe Brady would need like this farewell tour. 
And and Tom said on Monday on his podcast uh, with Jim Gray, he said, no, I, I wouldn't want that. That would be distracting. I know for me as well, one of the things that, that kind of caught me by surprise, because I knew how much family was going to play a big role in the decision, and it certainly will. Happy life, happy wife. I think <laughs> it's actually happy wife, happy life, right? we got to get our priorities in line. <laughs> Um, and, and Tom talked about how much he loved having waffles with his kids on Monday. But I was always under the impression Tom would need to to go out as a winner to walk away happy and satisfied. But he made it a point of saying on his podcast, no, he, he wouldn't. And, and it's just it's hard for me to picture this guy who has this penchant for throwing iPads on the sidelines when he throws interceptions. And he, twice he hasn't shaken Nick Foles' hand. And, and he just seems like a, a terrible loser. I mean, he would... He would barely last two minutes in post-game availability with us media members if it was a loss. It was hard for me to imagine him leaving it all or being prepared to leave it all if he did so on a loss. But, again, that just shows us how little we really know about the guy. So it's, it's been interesting. And I also got to say, too, with all this uncertainty, you know, it's not just limited to the players. There are very real concerns about losing both of their, their powerhouse coordinators in, in Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles and my mom sends me a text message this morning. It's the first thing I see. It's don't tell me Byron's leaving. No. <laughs> well, hey, Jenna Lane, uh, Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane. Jenna Lane from ESPN covers the Bucks. Tell us Byron's leaving. <laughs> right? I mean, is are, are you anticipating that? Is everybody in Tampa anticipating uh, what we all are anticipating in the next, uh, whether it's a couple of hours, a couple of minutes, or, or maybe days, that Byron Leftwich will be the next head coach of the Jaguars? I don't know anything about a deal being get getting done, but I was told yesterday afternoon that he was the favorite, but obviously, you know, there's still pen has to hit paper. And of course, a lot of things have to transpire. And, um, but I, but I, you know, I answered one fan's question on Twitter saying, Hey, folks need to prepare themselves because this is, this guy is a commodity very clearly. He's had multiple interviews and uh, I know he certainly has had glowing endorsements from Bruce Arians and Tom Brady himself. That, that definitely carries a lot of weight. So, and, and, you know, Bruce has already gone through these scenarios of, of losing one or even both of them. And what, what really caught my attention Monday was uh, I asked him, well, what are you going to do about play calling duties? And he said that there's a good chance that he would take back play calling duties if Byron leaves, which I think really goes to show you how much he trusted Byron, that uh, a, a big kind of caveat for him, a, a big uh, – point of, of emphasis for him coming out of retirement was that he wasn't going to handle play calling duties, that he needed to kind of pass that torch and that he trusted Byron so much to do that. And the fact that if Byron leaves, he doesn't feel like he has anybody else that could take that over. I mean, that just, that just really shows you how much he believes in this guy and trusts this guy. Jenna, when we talk about Byron Leftwich, I mean, obviously I'm excited because we might see a screen pass for the first time since 2010 here in Jacksonville because the guy can he knows how to run those. But more importantly, what type of, of coach are we getting here if he does indeed become that coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, I hear all the time, player, coach, player, coach, but also a little bit of old school. What have you heard from, from players? What have you seen with your own eyes of what type of coach is Byron Leftwich? Well, I think his greatest strength is his ability to relate to players um, and his lack of rigidity and adaptability really stood out when he was merging Bruce Arians' offense with the likes and dislikes of Tom Brady. He used that experience as well with Tom to just soak up as much as he could and, and in the process we saw Arians' no risk it, no biscuit offense all of a sudden have these quick passing concepts and, and at times 
Brady was dinking and dunking his way down the field as he did so well in New England. And, and you could just kind of see, wow, like I remember he did that in New England. I, I give Byron so much credit because, you know, I think with older coaches, they're, they're so rigid in the way that they do things. But, but Byron was really adaptable with that. And it was very important for him to put Tom in a position to succeed and to make him feel really comfortable. And, and I think he did that. And, you know, I, I got to say, too, from a pure play calling standpoint, the growth that we saw from him. And, and, and I'll preface it with there's no way on earth I could do any of that. I, I could never make these second decisions. But, you know, I remember in, in year one, he was with Jameis Winston. There were times where I was like, I don't know why he ran the ball four consecutive times. I thought that would have been a perfect time to incorporate some play action since you had kind of lulled the defense to sleep. But then it's like by year three, I mean, there were vi- if any instances where I took issue with any of the things that he called. And, of course, Tom has a lot to do with that, too. But I really think he, he took this opportunity to soak up as much as he could from Tom. And I would also say this. You know, he comes from the the Bruce Arian school of quarterbacking, which is you need to give your quarterback a lot of say in the game planning because he's got to be the one that's most comfortable. And I know with with Urban Meyer, you know, he he was very rigid and and he was I hate to use the word dictator, but but that's the, the one thing I've heard a lot of. With Byron, he is going to spend a lot of time asking Trevor, what do you like and don't like? He's going to spend a lot of time listening. I know for Jameis Winston, it was a little bit hard at first because Byron's like, I need to know what you do and don't like. Don't just nod your head with everything. Tell me if you don't like something. Like, that's that's really, really, really important to him. Jenna Lind with us here on ESPN 690. Jenna covers the Tampa Bay Bucks and has covered Byron Leftwich the last couple of years for ESPN over there in Tampa. Uh, Jenna, there's a lot to like about Byron Leftwich, like you just said, from Trevor Lawrence to the play calling, I think, to the players liking him. I think he did a terrific job when uh, with Leonard Fournette and when Leonard Fournette and others went out, they're on like their fourth running back and they lose Godwin and, and uh, they lose Antonio Brown and like those other guys were well coached and good enough to go play that playoff game and perform i liked what he did with the depth and and not just him i I know the entire coaching staff so i think there's a lot to like how much do you think he is in terms of candidates like a hot candidate uh not just right now but for the next few years because austin and i were just debating this a little bit and one of the issues we have in jacksonville is that trent bulky may stay around and he might have to be put in a situation with bulky so we're wondering where the leverage is for byron to determine his staff and the setup here uh how much do you think he's going to be a candidate not just now but but for the foreseeable future in the nfl as a head coach he keeps working with Brady certainly a long time, but you know I think I think that kind of raises a good question because he hasn't worked with a ton of quarterbacks. Obviously, he has a ton of experience as a player, and and all of his time as a backup with Bruce Arians really groomed him to to be a, a coach. You could definitely see that. But the, the quarterbacks that he's worked with, he has worked with Josh Rosen. He has worked with Jameis Winston. He's worked with Tom Brady. Those are all really, really, really different guys. And obviously he's going to have a ton of success and, and continue to get opportunities as he continues to work with Tom. But but what about after that? So um, I, I think that raises some, some kind of interesting questions as far as uh, how hot of a candidate I think would he continue to be. But, but I do know that Look, the, it, it's no secret the NFL has a huge issue right now with, with lack of minority coaches. And the fact that he is an offensive coach and a former quarterback just bodes so well for him. Um, not that he wouldn't get these opportunities if he wasn't, but, but I'll give you an example. I was, I was at the Colts game this year when the Bucks played the Colts, and I had uh, a member of the Colts coaching staff 
uh, a friend of mine from college uh, pointed to me and said, that's the guy that we're hoping will be the next Byron Leftwich. Um, and, and he himself is a minority too, and uh, as, as well as my friend that I was talking to. There's a lot of coaches that are out there that are looking to him, that are pulling for him, that, that are looking at him as kind of an example. So I, I think he, um, the interest is certainly going to be there for a, for a long, long time. Jenna, when we talk about, you know, Byron Leftwich, obviously if he does come to Jacksonville, one could wonder, does he bring coaches with him from Tampa Bay or even players for that matter? I mean, a guy that sticks out to us here because we need wide receivers desperately is Chris Godwin. Now, a guy that has tore his ACL, probably the price tag of Chris Godwin being a free agent comes down drastically. But what is Tampa Bay, um, where are they at right now with Chris Godwin going forward? Do you think they offer him a new deal? I mean, do they tag him again? What's, uh, what's the consensus right now for Chris Godwin? Chris Godwin is so loved and and cherished by Tampa Bay. I I don't think they let him out of the building. Maybe he doesn't get the same deal he would have gotten pre-injury, but, I mean, that guy is is not just as dependable as ever, but I remember talking to that guy pre-draft before he was selected by the Buccaneers. I guess I got lucky in that situation. Him and Curtis Samuel were my two favorites from that class. And I just kept thinking to myself, am I talking to a 40-year-old man here with, like, a wife and kids and, and who just has, like, this, this wonderful perspective and seems to just have life figured out? Or am I talking to a 20-year-old guy? Because I really couldn't tell. I mean, he's just as mature and, and is just steady and dependable as it comes. And they're wonderful people, too. They're wonderful people at that. So they, they do a ton of charitable work here. I just have a hard time envisioning him leaving. And I'll tell you what, if Tom comes back, he is certainly going to want Chris back. But but if I could just add a little more about Byron, because I, I wrote a lot of notes down, because it's like, you know, um, when you have certain coaches that you really like, you want to make sure you do them justice. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I always kind of joked with him about was, uh, I don't think the guy sleeps very much. That's, I mean, he takes the job pretty seriously. I, I, I know a lot of these coaches don't, but, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, he'll sometimes run laps while everybody's getting warmed up at practice. And, and at first I'm like, what, is this guy crazy? Like, is he out of his mind? Um, and you could tell he's probably on that TB12 plan because he's really slimmed down. <laughs> but then I, realized, I realized in a postseason last year, I go, you're doing this to stay awake, aren't you? And he's like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. So then he came this running joke with us every week. How well are you sleeping? How well are you sleeping? How well are you sleeping? So the guy's a, a real tenacious worker, and he's a real joy to be around. Um, he's not always going to give you every answer, like in the, in the press conferences, like in the, from a media standpoint. But he just flashes that smile and, and just can really light up a room. And he's not afraid to, to correct you if, if maybe you see something and he doesn't see it that same way, which I appreciate. I, I don't always want the canned answers. Sometimes he'll give you those, and I think maybe the more comfortable he gets, he'll, he'll um, kind of get away from those a little bit. But, um, you know, and, and then the one concern I had, and, and so I actually asked the members of the coaching staff about this, is, you know, when you have a coach like Bruce Arians, who is just so hard-nosed, like he gets out of that lock, out of that golf cart, and you're like, oh, boy, like something's going on. Um, how well is he able to keep people accountable? And and I, I reached out to some members of the coaching staff, and, and I heard that he does a really good job of it because um, I know discipline is something that is talked about in, in Jacksonville. And he he's able to discipline guys, whether it be publicly or privately, depending on, on kind of what the situation calls for. And, you know, I, I think that that's big. That's, that's usually one of my concerns when it's some of these younger coaches who maybe don't have the kind of that uh, CEO experience or don't have a lot of experience being somebody's boss, but I'm told he's handled it well. 
Jenna, I'm glad you gave us those uh, nuggets uh, about Byron Leftwich. We almost hung up with you after you, you said Chris Godwin might stay in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot of people that love Godwin in, in Tampa. And I and I, and I got to say, too, this um, this organization, they, they really love him. And, and for them, their priorities are re-signing their own. So um, I, I would expect him to be the guy they, they try to get done. I mean, he played under the franchise tag last year, but that's not to say that you know, they couldn't strike up a deal this year. I, I know Tampa's where he wants to be, and obviously Penn has to hit paper, but I, I would be very surprised if he went elsewhere. Gentlemen, with us, uh, we're going to let you go here in a moment. Let me ask you, this one might be tricky. Todd Bowles is interviewing for jobs. He interviewed with the Jags. I think he's interviewing with the Raiders maybe today. I think he flew out there. Uh, how close is their relationship? Is there any way a guy like Byron could lure him away to be the defensive coordinator if he doesn't get a head coaching job, or are you convinced he'll stay in Tampa? I'm just not sure how close their relationship. The only thing I have to go off is from the broadcast when I think they, that Bowles gave Leftwich some advice leading into his interview. That's why I asked the question. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know anybody in Tampa that's on the staff that doesn't love Coach Bowles, um, including myself, even though I'm not on the staff. That's a guy I'd run for a brick wall for in a heartbeat. And, and I know the players feel that same way. But uh, I'd have to look at his contract situation. But I, I could imagine he probably wouldn't be able to take him with him. But <laughs> that is an interesting question. And, and Arians, of course, is preparing for the possibility of, of life without him, too because of the fact that there are so many head coach openings right now and, and Bowles has garnered interest from, is it three teams? Is it four teams now? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of all. So, um, and, and, you know, look, the, the feeling in Tampa is that, um, you know, they felt like this was a bonus year with Bowles. And I know some folks took issue with him calling covers zero on that final play, but, but that same aggression also netted them, you know, they got four turnovers and, and allowed them to come back into the game. Let's not forget that. That's, that's just who he is. Um, but a lot of folks felt like, you know, it was a bonus year, the fact that they got Bowles back for a second year because of the job he did with, with his defense this past year. Because what they were starting off with wasn't necessarily great. They, they had a long way they had to go for sure. They had so much youth and inexperience on that back end, and, and he's really helped those those guys grow a lot. Yeah, it really has. I mean, they had a ton of injuries in the back end there early on as well. Uh, Jenna oh, Lane, always appreciate your insight, and we'll see what happens here over the next day or so with Byron Leftwich, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks for the time. And thank you. That's uh, Jenna Lane, covers the Bucks uh, for ESPN. Has joined us here on the show before, and we appreciate her taking the time. Some good insight on uh, on Byron Leftwich, the Brady situation yeah. at the top of that conversation. Um, I kind of jumped in late. Did you mention anything about Trask or Gabbard, if that would be in their future, or would they no, go no. elsewhere? Because I think the story out of the Tampa is that they would go try to get a free agent yeah, quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you're Bruce Aaron, just stick around. I don't. I mean, I know you love Blaine Gabbard because he's followed you everywhere you've been, but I think they go in a different <laughs> direction than Blaine Gabbard to be your starting quarterback. As far as defensive coordinator is concerned, hey, maybe he goes after Jack Del Rio. Maybe he coaxes Jack Del Rio back to Jacksonville. You know, listen, I, this is part of the reason I've said this, that I think – there are a lot of reasons to like the offensive coach. Like, mm -hmm. that's why Eberflus doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because now you have to go hit a home run on the OC with Trevor, mm -hmm. right? And almost become like a second coach to Trevor in the offense and, and, and bring him along. Not that Eberflus can't impact that guy, but that's not how you view it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think this is way better formula and at least a smarter way to go for the Jags if they get the offensive guy. Mm -hmm. Because now that guy is linked to Trevor, but you have defensive options. I'm not saying Jackson option, but from Mike Zimmer to Fangio to whoever, I think there are better options out there on the defensive side. Heck, to keeping Joe Cullen. That's yeah. a better option than, than probably keeping a Daryl Bevel or, or keeping a Schottenheimer, I think, at this point mm -hmm. uh, here in Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, she brought up something that is interesting, and I want to get your thoughts on it. 
Byron Leftwich gets hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He, at least currently, would be only the second blackhead coach in the NFL. Correct. He would be the first in Jags history. I know Mel Tucker was an interim for a couple of games. Mm -hmm. What's the significance of that for Byron Leftwich? And is there a responsibility that goes along with that? I'd like to talk about that and get your thoughts on it as a player who played in the NFL. Uh, we'll get back to that. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. A lot of Byron Leftwich talk here on a Wednesday. Every year you go to training camp, and the one unique thing about our job is it's entirely different than your summer. And I don't know if, if it was a year earlier, maybe, depending on when Drew retired. It, look, he and I never discussed when his last game would be or when I'd be finished. I just felt like this season, wasn't, it was challenging for everyone. But, man, I felt like it was time. I felt like it was time. You know, I kind of knew maybe heading into training camp this might, but you don't, you, you know, you don't share that with anyone. You think, well, let's see how the season goes, and we're working hard, and and I felt the time was right for me. I felt the time was right, and it's something that I, I, I've been thinking about. That's Sean Payton. I don't know how you don't think about that stuff. I, I appreciate Sean Payton. What is he, uh, 52? Did I hear that right? Is Something like that? Um, still a young guy. Yeah. And I think somebody said, like, I think they referenced Jimmy Johnson. There was somebody else. Jimmy Johnson was in the mix. Like He was about that age and never came back. So Sean Payton's 58. Oh, I'm sorry, 58. Okay. So Jim, gosh, 58 looks pretty good for 58. Uh, not that 58 looks bad, but that treadmill must be working. Killing in it, the, man. In the facility. Mm -hmm. um, but Jimmy Johnson, I think, retired around then. Uh, a couple others as well and never came back to it. So if you think he's going to come back to it, 58's young, right? Yeah. Uh, and you could. Will he miss it? I could. He could, but he's going to have a chance to do TV. He'll be on the Manning cast. He'll, there's so many options for those guys. Mm -hmm. You seen yeah. those next Dallas Cowboy coaching odds? What is it? He's a favorite. Is he? Mm -hmm. mm. I tell you what, though. I wonder if people have learned from... I wonder if people have... Like, people have learned a little bit from uh, Urban in those kind of situations, even though that was in the college game, okay. of, like, just leaving and going, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. There's not many instances of that. Like, the, people who go to somewhere else are usually forced out. They don't yeah. go on their own volition. Well, and so yeah. Sean Payton doing that, even if he steps down for a year or two and then goes to the Cowboys, that's not going to be viewed very fondly in New Orleans. And I think his heartbeat is in New Orleans. I don't think it cares about Dallas. Yeah, but I also think Jerry Jones could throw the he could throw the bank at him, the book at him, and just be like, "Hey, name a price, let's go." Yeah, Mike, that'd be tough to Mike, turn we'll down. see you later. <laughs> yeah, well, he could. We're do all that. set, Mike. Thank you. He could do that. Thank you for your service, Mike. <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, one other thing, by the way, er, the Urban Meyer tale has been told across the NFL. You know why? I said this to you yesterday in the break, but there are no college coaches being rumored in these nine jobs now. Jim Harbaugh is, mm -hmm. but that's a different animal, right? I mean, he had been in the NFL before. I'm talking about there's no Ryan Day. There's no Dabble Swinney. There's no Lincoln Riley. Like, that isn't even floated. Now, some of that is They're Lincoln Riley's got himself themselves. a pretty damn good spot now. But, but Ryan Day's hasn't changed. And Ryan Day was floated a bit last year, I think, in connection with that Chicago job. Was that just agent talk mm -hmm. to try to get more money? Maybe, but none of that. Uh, Dabble, I don't know if he'll always be in that, that conversation or not. But point being... Uh, or even, what's his name, uh, Matt Campbell, 
who has turned that down a couple of times. But mm-hmm. everybody goes back to the well if you really want a guy. And he could have been in play maybe for Chicago, not too far away. So I'm just I think that is a cautionary tale of what just transpired in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer and is and nobody's touching it this year. They might touch it in the next cycle, but they're not touching it this year. Yeah, they're not touching it this year. Like I don't think there was a lot of candidates though, because you got the sense that Riley was content of you know. Well, he's getting private jets all around yeah, the country, and so, he's getting twelve million a year or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah so Riley, you, I understand. Just, but again, Ryan Day was a pretty hot name, I think. I guess. Yeah, to me, like Ryan, with all due respect to Ryan Day, like he didn't do that much to me in terms Amazing. of hype. Yeah. But some people said, I think some people said at the time of Urban Meyer that should have hired Ryan Day instead of Urban Meyer. Yeah, sure. Better NFL have fit. Well, that turned out it should have worked out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, I just don't know if there's, I mean, the whole Kingsbury thing came out of thin air. Like, nobody saw that coming. So, like, he didn't even have hype because we didn't even talk about Kingsbury. I mean, I think Matt Rule, I mean, you know, you could get the sense that eventually his time would come. Just what he was able to do at Baylor, you know, at Temple. I mean... His time was coming. I just don't think we talked about Ryan Day this year. Um, like, like I said, Riley had his own thing going on. But I don't think we talked about those guys in the same capacity as we talked about, like, a Matt Rule a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, I just thought about it. I just think people, you know, it's a very trendy business. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point earlier, right, this could be the only time for, for Leftwich because they might not succeed as well, which I think is stupid. Like, I think it's as dumb that Dayball took until the playoffs to get cooking. If he was a good enough coach last year, good enough candidate, we continue to see the progression of Josh Allen. That's really what he's being judged on. Mm -hmm. And he's not in the mix because they're not scoring 45 a game, right? I think Leftwich, if he's a good enough candidate right now and his resume is what it is, I don't really think anything should deter that, unless it's some scandalous thing, from him being a candidate down the road. I mean... He's probably better coach in three years than he is even right now. Sure. So it's a lot like this mentality of, like, oh, Eberflus, can't hire him. See what the Jags did to him in the last game? All right, well, you're being judged on four years, not one game. So it's in that kind of same breath. But you're still being judged on a season, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I get it. A season, not necessarily. But like I'm saying, so with Dable, I mean, it was the the totality of the season up until, like, the last couple games of the, of, of their season so far. I mean, then they got bounced out. But, like, yeah. uh, I just think that how you do in that season is going to dictate whether or not you're going to get that call or not, yeah. or at least a lot of calls from NFL circles. Just like I think if Byron Leftwich was to stay in Tampa and wait it out and you lose Tom Brady, I think you run the risk of, may not getting as many phone calls as you think just because that season may not go the way you think it's going to go. I, I guess uh, this is more soapboxy. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I understand that's the trend. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I'm not sure it should be. If the guy's a good enough coach in this cycle, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be a good enough coach in two or three years when he's got even more experience under his belt? Sure. You know, even if he didn't have the same amount of success. Um, I think that's a silly way to look at it. It's a very small window, narrow-minded way to look at it. But that's what the NFL is, though, I know. is that you fall in love with success. Well, and that's, that's all because of the fans, by the way. That's okay. got very little to do with who I think is the best. That's all the fans. The fans drive help drive that narrative. Because okay. if you go pick up a guy that is 500, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's what, oh, this is a shocker about the Kingsbury move. <laughs> because the guy didn't even have a winning record at college. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you go pick up that guy and people are like, why the hell is he coming here? What has he done? Sure. You know? Yeah. So, like... I think that is, I shouldn't say it's only driven by fans. I, I think mean, it's heavy driven by the fans. Well, it's, it's, but it can be driven by performance. Look at, look at Wink Martin, or uh, yeah, Wink Martindale. Yeah, no, it's still I surprising mean, firing like that, to me. That wasn't fans. That was organization. Yeah. That, that was Harbaugh. 
You know, yeah. that was, I guess, performance on the field. They obviously saw that trending in a bad way. Sure. Yeah. But, like, I mean, this is a guy who I think he had a couple – like, there was rumors that eventually he could be yeah. the next head coaching candidate. And, like, the fans didn't want him gone. That was the organization for whatever reason. Now, we don't know the whole story, but, like, he's gone. Why? Like, uh, you think they'd be interested in Joe Cullen if he comes free? As a defensive coordinator? Yeah. Why not? Or did they want a different style, though, I guess is my guess. Yeah, that'd be maybe. Same style. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a fa- – I have no idea what happened with McMartindale. No yeah. idea. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, a lot I of think, success over the years. I think Joe deserves looks, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's get Steven on the line real quick, and then i got an important question to ask about Byron Leftwich. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Groovy, man. Uh, I just want to get your opinion on uh, a lot of these tweets out there are saying uh, they're still trying to finalize or work out some details. you think there might be uh, getting pushback from Balky because he might not be somebody he was trying to push, maybe on a power struggle, if you will? I appreciate the call, Stephen. Listen, maybe there's some naivete in me. I don't think Bulky holds any power here. I'm not. It's one thing to say, listen, you know me. I I don't believe he's here (laughs) because I think it defies logic, and I think it opens shot up for a hell of a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a bad move, and I can't find a good move, and so I've been convinced. But as this goes further and further along, I will readily admit that there's a very good or there's a decent chance that he stays there based on the way the tea leaves are falling. I can't deny that. I, I will say this, though. I don't believe that he is carrying a lot of weight in the interviews. Uh, I think he's part of the process, but there's a huge difference, as, uh, as we've debated a little bit and discussed, that between asking questions that have been planned questions, what you want to find out from a candidate, and then judging that candidate and, making a, and ultimately making a determining factor. I don't see this as a three-vote process. What does Shad think? What does Trent think? What does Tony Khan think? I see this as a one-vote conf- uh, one process. What does Shad Khan think? Mm-hmm. After he gathers all the information. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree or not, but I would say I don't think he's the heavy in any of what is potentially going on to answer Stephen's question. No, I mean, I've said how I feel about it. I think in terms of the football questions, in terms of the football knowledge in these meetings, it's ran by Trent Balky because Shad Khan doesn't really you know, know um, the game to the extent as Trent Balky does, and I don't think neither does Tony Khan. So I, I think that you have a situation where your owner – whether or not you you have your faith in Trent Balky, you're still relying on his input, you're relying on his questions, and you're relying on the betting process that he's bringing to the table. I think if he wasn't, then Trent, uh, then um, Bill O'Brien wouldn't even get a job in the first, you know, wouldn't get even an interview. Because I think if if I'm Shad Khan and Trent Balky comes, hey, I think we should interview Bill O'Brien. And if you're Shad Khan and you're calling the shots, I would say, well, no, because nobody else is doing that. Okay, and there's probably for a good reason why. Now, has Bill O'Brien had any more interviews, head coaching interviews? Uh, no. For a good reason why, yes. right? Because he's, he's not quite ready to go back to that, that whole scene again. So I, I do think Balky does bring, um, you know, a, a little bit of say, a little bit of what goes on in these meetings. Hmm. Uh, I hope not. Uh, maybe it's more hope than, than reality. Sure. Uh, the, I have this question for you. Diversity is a massive issue mm-hmm. in the NFL right now. Uh, Byron Leftwich could be, if he's named the Jags head coach, at least for the time being, the only one of two black coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin right now is alone. 
as the, now we have several black coaches that are in the hiring process from Flores to Caldwell uh, to Bienem. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even um, who am I, Jerron Mayo mm-hmm. as well. And I, I don't think I'm missing anyone else at the moment that I've seen interviewed. Uh, maybe Glenn from um, oh, Aaron Glenn. Detroit. That's right, because of the Saints opening. Correct. Become, would become and, and make some history here in Jacksonville as the first black head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, this is couched a little bit. Mel Tucker, I know, was an interim coach taking over for Jack Del Rio when you played. Yep. The significance and responsibility of that. Mm-hmm. For Byron Leftwich being the first black head coach in Jacksonville and one of only two, at least potentially at the moment, in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think the significance from the city, uh, I think it definitely means something. Um, you know, it's 2022, and, and, and you know, w- the, the fact that there's only one black coach right now, and obviously Ron Rivera being a minority in himself, that we mm-hmm. cannot forget either. So, you know, I think you only have two minorities, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not how it should be. You know, I think there are better candidates out there. And rate, rate, like white, black, whatever. I think there's better candidates out there that do have darker skin that should get an opportunity. Simple as that. So, yeah, I think if, if Byron Leftwich gets an opportunity here in Jacksonville, I think he is capable. I think he can turn this thing around. And I think that it should be celebrated. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a step. It's a spoke on the wheel um, of progress. And, and that's what you want to see. Uh, by the way, Robert Sala, also a minority. Oh, yeah. Thank now you. Just yeah. Thanks. Uh, yep. Appreciate that, yep. Christian. Uh, you forgot right. about him. And so Sorry. I think it's an interesting topic. I've heard Byron Leftwich talk about this topic, mm-hmm. and I thought he said it in an interesting way. He's like, that's not a question for me, and I wonder if he'll answer this this way if, if he is named the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars and asked about it. But he said, it's not a question for me. It's a question for the owners in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always viewed this uh, as from a Jacksonville-centric topic. Jags have the only minority owner in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? And... And my belief is Shad Khan is going to hire man, woman, white, black, anyone to get this thing going, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it has to, in terms of the hire, has to do with color, race, gender, anything. I think he thinks Byron Leftwich is the best fit for the job and the best man to do the job. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is some significance around it. I think it's significant in Jacksonville. Uh, I think it would be significant for uh, a lot of young men in Jacksonville. I think a lot of aspiring coaches and players in Jacksonville. Um, And I do think as a domino effect, it's significant in the NFL because it will be talked about in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. and it is a problem in the NFL. It's an issue that's being discussed in the NFL. So I think, I don't think Byron Leftwich is asking for this to be a responsibility. But fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to view it, it'll be a responsibility yeah. uh, of some type uh, for Byron Leftwich. And I agree a little bit with what Jenna Lane said. I think there are a lot of people rooting for him to succeed mm-hmm. for more reasons than that, but maybe part of the equation. And I also think maybe maybe it does that. Again, I think it's more about the man who Leftwich is that allows him to build a heck of a staff 
But I think there are a lot of people who want to see Byron Leftwich succeed and, and be, let's just say, like the next Mike Tomlin here for oh, 15 for sure. years, 20 years in an organization, winning Super Bowls and paving the way for others for this discussion not even to take place in the next handful of years, you know? No, absolutely. I, th I think from the organizational standpoint from the city, I think it, it's great for the city. Uh, I really do. Um, having a minority owner is one thing. Having a black head coach is another thing. So that's great. I think from the locker room, um, I think it's huge. And not, not so much like it's a black head coach. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've played for... Uh, of a plethora of coaches, you know, of, of all colors. But I think it's big because more today than maybe any other point in history of the National Football League, you have to be able to relate to your players. And despite my laid-back demeanor and my chill attitude, there was coaches that I clashed with. And the coaches that I clashed with, they all had one thing in common. They looked nothing like me. They talked nothing like me. They were older, and they were not willing to relate to what I believed, and, and that was an issue. Say what you want about it. Or at okay. least acknowledge. Yeah, yeah or yeah. acknowledge it, yeah. I think with Byron Leftwich, and I don't know him personally. I've never shared a locker room with Byron Leftwich, but he has been to NFL locker rooms before. Um and, and I think, you know, being in a couple of different environments, whether it's Pittsburgh, Arizona, or Tampa Bay, and then obviously being, being a, a black head coach and being the leader, um, you know, b b being the general if he indeed does take this job, I, I think that is going to work wonders on a team that is in dire need of leadership, that is, that is in dire need of, I think, players in the locker room just saying, hey, do you have my back or not? You know, because we can point to so many times last year, whether it was James Robinson, whether it was Marvin Jones, where I feel like a lot of these players in the locker room felt like nobody had their back. And that's a horrible spot to be in. You know, I, I was in that point from a, like a position coach standpoint, but I was never in that point from an overall leadership standpoint of your head coach. I can't imagine how you can even function like that if that's how your head coach is going to act. And I believe that's what Urban Meyer brought to the table. So you have to reboot that entire process, that, that, that whole thinking process that, hey, the new guy coming in, he's got your back. Like, yeah, it's probably going to be still hard. It's going to be tough nose because I think he does bring an old school demeanor to him. He's an old football player, man. He's going to have a little bit of that toughness to him. You got to learn to suck it up. So be it. That's great. But I also think he's going to bring the fact of, hey, I can relate to you a little bit. Um, maybe, you know, I look like you a little more and things like that. And I think that's going to go a long way in terms of building a culture, getting free agents in here, and just turn this whole thing around. Yeah, I think it's significant. I think uh, to your point, and, and maybe even more so since you played, although I don't want to say that because I don't know that. I didn't live that. Yeah. But I just think coming off the last couple of years with Black Lives Matter and, and everything being um, uh, on that issue, especially brought out into the forefront and being discussed, I think players are in tune with that conversation maybe more than they have been more recently. Yeah. Not ever before, but more recently. And so I wonder about the locker room if there is like a subconscious to it, yeah. at, at the very least, that... Uh, you know, Byron Leftwich is, is the leader of the football team. And um, I, I don't know that. I have no idea. We'll have to see how, how that reaction is, and maybe it's not a big thing. But I do think there is a level of responsibility uh, that uh, will come with that for Byron Leftwich. And again, I don't think he invites that. I don't think he asks for that. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of the part of the, the load the shoulders have to bear if you're a minority head coach in the NFL right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said before, hopefully that's not part of the discussion in the next few years. Mm -hmm. um, and I did leave uh, Todd Bowles, by the way, as an, another 
um, candidate, uh, candidate yeah, yeah, in, sure. the, in the coaching cycle. So uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, what if that happens and uh, the impact that it happens. I do. I sincerely do believe, uh, and I think it will be something to watch. I think it will be a sincere impact uh, on the community yeah. and the football community. From the young kids to high school coaches and, and alike. I don't I might be reading that wrong, but I think it is pretty significant uh, here in Jacksonville. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on as we continue the head coaching search for the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe for just a couple more moments. favorite segment on Action Sports, Jack's Hockey Talk, where Brett Martineau guesses a random hockey soundbite. Now here's your host, Casey Kurtz. And we didn't forget. We had it up we? yesterday. We didn't. We ran out of time. Oh, oh we had it yesterday. What's today? Wednesday? It. Today's Wednesday. We usually a Tuesday thing. I didn't forget. We're doing it on a Wednesday. I, I mean, I've been tied up. Thanks to Della. Been uh-huh. tied up. Mm. Haven't been watching NHL. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I haven't been tied up either. I've been playing FIFA, but we got the sound for you, Brent. How are you feeling on your uh, chances? Now, is keep it in from mind, last night? No, it is not. Uh, it's from a couple days ago. I dialed in hockey Hello. last night. Yeah, you know, the good old teams were out there on the ice. But <laughs> listen, Brent, here's your sound. Feel free to talk it out. Uh, the clues we'll give you are none of them. Here we go. <laughs> what sort of text message do you think you'll get after uh, getting five points against the team your dad works for? Um, I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure he would have, I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in his mouth. I'm not going to say it, what I was about to say, but he probably wanted it to be an OT game, uh, but for us to play well, um, I don't know who he wanted to win the OT game, but uh, no, he, he, uh, he doesn't matter what team he, uh, he works for, but he, uh, you know, he's obviously my, my brother's um, biggest fan and uh, great mentor. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, not only him, but obviously my my line mates and you know teammates know how much I want uh, uh, to win against those guys. Team, my uh, you know the hometown team. A lot of people watching. It's same, uh, you know we got a lot of guys in Toronto. It's like when we go to Toronto, you know you want to win that that game for the guys that are from there. Tons of people watching. So um, I don't know exactly what he'll he'll text me. Um, maybe he went to bed early and I won't even get a text. I don't know. This is a couple weeks old, right? No. Uh-oh. That's from whatever day I cut it. So Monday night, I want to say. Uh-oh. Chris Kreider. No. So it was a, a story on the ESPNs. Uh, uh, said player did have five points. Uh, five Kachuk. Holy crap. Kachuk. Not going to keep Kachuk, but did you get it right? Yes. Dang it. How'd you get that so fast? Because he Googled it. No, oh, I didn't Google that's it. Boring. No, I did. I don't. I was just looking down the scores, and I saw seven to one. See, I thought for a second you in my have mind, somebody for five points, it was, stands out. That's for, true. For a second in my mind, I was going to Joseph Pavelski, who scored five points like I think two weeks ago. But the reason I know about him is because he's from like the, my neighboring town. So I thought you were trying to bring like a Wisconsin. Oh, that'd have been nice hometown element to the, the to the party. But no, you, sir. But you probably didn't know that. Nope. Went on yeah. Twitter, saw Matt Chuck had five points, and said, "You know what? That's going to be a good sound." Nicely done. Is Dad Keith? Maybe. Oh, you don't know? No, I don't. What do I think Keith Kachuk? Keith, Keith Kachuk played for, I think, the Coyotes, right? Did you say this the was stars? against his, so, St. Louis? How do you spell Kachuk? It starts with a T. 
K-A-C-H-U-K. There he is, Keith Kachuk. And by the way, uh, Matt here did this with five assists, no goals. Correct. Um, Keith Kachuk. Yes, it's his dad. Yeah, uh, is Keith Kachuk? Mm-hmm. And he played for the Coyotes. Sure. He played for the Blues, too, the right? Blues, yep. Blues Coyotes. Yep, okay, you have it up, too. Yep. No, I'm... Oh, you're just... Yeah, dude. You're going off the I, top? I, I wanted a Keith Kachuk jersey back in the day. He it's was a like bonus. I can see him in the Blues. I don't remember him the other word, but I can well, see One more team. Anybody uniform in the Blues. Who did we say? You said the Jets. You said the Coyotes. You said the Blues. One more. Well, well, football. Well, what am I thinking Flyer? <laughs> no. It is a team. Well, I can't really tell you. Yeah, that. don't. All right. Wait, do a good, go. I was trying to make a bad joke. Tell me about it again. The Jets, the Blues, and who else? Coyotes? Coyotes. And one there's more. one more. Mm-hmm. Was he there for a while? Do you know? I do not. I can. Find okay. It. I mean, it's, um, but there, there's only say, really one hint I can give you, but it will give it away. Yeah, no, no, don't, don't do it. Give it away. Uh, I'm gonna say. It's not the Blackhawks. I got two guesses, but I'm gonna go Colorado first. I got. Oh. He was only there for 18 games. I'm going Atlanta Thrashers. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They yes. don't even exist. Yes. They don't even exist. <laughs> Nothing on a screen. Didn't look it, it up. Wasn't. That's my brain coming at you, that baby. Will Fuller stuff working for you on the Ooh. other side. That was terrific. That was, yeah. that was really good. I mean, you got I, I, a team that doesn't even exist. I was, I was a fan, man. We killed that hockey segment. Crushed well, it. Bonus point if you can get his brother. This Matt, this Keith. I, I thought I was doing a pretty good bonus point by getting dad. Well, Keith is, yeah, that is good, but double. Uh, you got Matt. I mean, listen, you if your dad's Matt name's and you Keith got, and your kid's name's Matt. No, it's uh, like, it's something. Uh, Steve. Ter- Tyrion? No, I don't know. Brady. Ah, oh, Brady. Brady. I've never got from New England. What teams do you play for, Brent? No idea. I've never heard of Brady. <laughs> really? I don't think so. No, he's good. Place for Ottawa. Uh, oh, that's Ottawa. why. Hey, it's not Ottawa. It's Ottawa. That's why I've never Ottawa. heard of them. Ottawa. I don't follow the Senators, All man. Right, very good. Trash team. When we come back, our organization will be back. Football at five rolls on on Action right. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're breaking up with some cards today. Maybe we'll yes. get a Byron Leftwich beauty. Let's go, man. Autographs.